welcome to the 17th episode of Total Pod Mode, your weekly comedy gaming podcast. My name is Will, and I also go by Hoodafunk, and I'm joined here by my good friend, co-host, and fellow gaming enthusiast, James, aka Mr. Bames. What's going on, you festively fidgeting ferrets? How's it going with you, James? I hear tell that you're back from a Christmas party. Yeah, man. Not doing too badly. Work Christmas party today. What time did the games kick off? Was it a uh, leave the office early, or was it a... Yeah, so we worked in the morning. I got collected about quarter to 12 by my taxi, my carriage. Lovely, lovely. Got into town for about 12.15, 12 12.20, went straight to the pub. Nice. Was this a bit of an event crawl as well then, between bars? We were, we were doing this thing where we had to go off and do various tasks in the town. Oh, okay. I like the sound of this. It was a really cool concept, actually, but the team, the team I was in sort of went by the general consensus that we didn't give a shit. <laughs> oh, all the clues for this puzzle just happened to be in pubs and shit. No, yeah, exactly. Like you know, there was it was sort of like um, it was like a festive type thing where you have to take pictures in certain things. Like so, one of them was like um, Santa's knee. So you had to come up with a creative like picture to take of someone sitting on Santa's knee, for example. Right. Okay. Or, okay, or like yeah, cool. recreate a human, like the sleigh, but with humans. Or, right. You know, very like. nice. So okay, things yeah, like that. Yeah. So a lot of these things you can do whilst in the comfort of a pub. Or a bar. Yeah, and perhaps even get some help from some of the patrons, even. Exactly, right? Exactly. Or use some of the props that they have as Christmas decoration, as we did. Shout out to the Team 2, I think we were. <laughs> Big up my guys, Team 2. Yeah, exactly. The team did you not, I mean, we typically, at our work gigs, we kind of go for, like, quiz names. We do, like, a quiz kind of thing. Um, bit disappointed team two seems a bit uh generic for a we didn't even pick it mate it was just that's how it was there wasn't a that chance was your to pick assigned teams. barcode name it was like yeah well i was originally in team five but a bunch of people pulled out ill so i got moved to team two right okay to balance the numbers so you're a reserve player no well yeah i guess kind of <laughs> i suppose but yeah man so good day out and uh still feeling the energy from the day out shall we say well, nice one, man. It sounds like you've had a nice fun day out, a nice way to end the day and uh, get into the festive spirit. Yeah, it was good fun, man. With all that said, James, let's move on to the socials. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pop Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pop Mode. You can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pop Mode, or one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And you can find me on Twitter at MrBames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash MrBames underscore TPM. Okay, James, with the socials out of the way, let's move on to our catch-up. Okay, James, so with your Metal Gear Solid challenge out of the way last week, how have you been getting on this week? Have you managed to slide any game time in? I have, man. I actually found some time for some games this week. I'll say something. You say that with conviction. Was this a strong week particularly? Not so much a strong week. I've basically only played one game this week, which is Final Fantasy XII, The Zodiac Age. Oh, okay, right. That's definitely something I'm not familiar with. I think it's a game that came out originally on PS2 in, I think, about 2006. Mm, mm. Maybe a little before, but I think it was 2006. And I got it on PS2 and had an absolute blast with it, but never finished it. And it's one of them ones where I then got it on Xbox... Started it again, got to roughly, not even probably as far as I got when I was a kid, maybe a little bit before, and for whatever reason stopped again. And then I bought it on PC when I got the PC, and I've now played it to about where I got to on Xbox before. Okay. 
So it's really about time you pushed through the barrier there and uh, completed this thing. Yeah, I've never completed it, and it's one of them ones that I really want to complete. Is this one of the games that featured on your list that you've mentioned in previous podcasts? It is, yes. And I actually started playing it in June or so. And I got to a certain point and was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give this a break. Because it's one of those games, I've played this part so much over the years that I can just put it down and pick it back up whenever I want. Like, I'm not missing out on any story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I haven't played this game for three, four months. And I was just like, you know what, I'm going to give this a bit of a go. I fancy playing a bit more into this. And I've been really enjoying it, man. Uh, not really anything new to me because I'm still doing stuff that I've done multiple times. But some of it still surprises me. Like I forget little bits. I'm like, oh, yeah. That happened. This is an area that I can go to. <laughs> and how does this kind of play in terms of the Final Fantasy series? Is this still, are we, I, I think that we've probably surpassed the turn-based style combat at this point, right? Are we into kind of semi-hack and slash with RPG elements? Or is this a bit more like Kingdom Hearts style combat now? It's kind of still turn-based, but they've made it look like you're live-action fighting. So you can move your character around? You can move your character around. Okay, yeah. But you still use press a to then attack magic item whatever oh so you actually navigate through a menu yeah. while you're running around right yeah okay. you can i mean you can set up this there's a gambit system which is basically where you can set up pre-assigned moves for your guys to do okay okay so for example because you're you're not really a character you have a party of six people and you only have three at a time that can be out but you can interchange right. them however you want as you go. And you can select their, their classes and whatever. You do whatever you want, basically. Okay. So what I do, at least, and I'm sh- you know I'm sure it's something that most other people do as well, is you set up your gambit so that your healer heals you automatically when you're, let's say, below 70% health. So you can set up kind of rules, basically, for them to apply certain yeah, moves? Exactly right. that. And it just means that you can then just focus on the fighting and doing your bits... And you can even set them up to do, like, if you've got your offensive mage, you can be like, yeah, use this move on the on the enemy that your party leader's attacking. And, it, and they'll just okay, do it. Okay, I like the sound of that. So, and, I, and to be honest, I've even set up, like, because the way I do it when I split the party into two threes, I have a main melee sort of guy that I sort of control. The brawler, right? Yeah. But even them, I have automatic things like, yeah, just attack nearest enemy. And then everything oh, else, okay. and, and everything else just, like, flows off that. Makes grinding much easier. At this point, you're basically kind of assigning a sort of console version of a macro sort of thing, it yeah, sounds like. <laughs> kind of, yeah. It's it's that sort of thing. It's just automated the whole system. Yeah, But it's still yeah. satisfying. It's, it's weird. But it's really good story. I mean, that helps a lot. And that's why I want to complete it so badly. I, I don't know. And I've never read up on it or anything. I don't know how this story ends. Oh, right. So this is kind of like a long, unfinished story then that goes back years, it sounds like, if you've been playing this at the first time on the PlayStation 2. Yeah, I don't know if I got it in 2006. I mean, I must have. I, well, assuming it did come out in 2006, might have been sooner. I might be getting it confused with when the Zodiac Age came out because that's like a sort of remastered version, if you like. Right. Right. And I did have the original on PS2, so I'm not 100% sure. I think it came out around that time. So I would have had it around that time, yeah, because I stopped playing PS2 definitely by sort of 2008. No, that's right, not, so a long, true? long time Maybe then, 2009, yeah. 2010, but... We're looking back at least 14 years then. Yeah, damn. Sorry to make you feel old. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> you weren't even young when you played this game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was middle-aged. Oh, a long game. time ago in my teenage years. Yeah, man. When I was only 30. <laughs> Jeez. In terms of hours that you put into this game so far, how many hours are you riding this week? I don't know about this week. Um, I've I've probably seven. Right, okay. Like, okay. I, I don't know. So that's kind of about the depth that you've typically got into this game before then, the seven, eight no, hours? No, 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 no. So seven hours this week. The game 
my file in total was about 28. Oh, 28 I see. So you're resurrecting an old file as well. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I don't need to start again with this game. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. As you've said, it's a bit for me like The Witcher at this point. I've restarted the game enough times and got to a very similar point in the storyline. Yeah. At that point, that is the beginning of the the actual yeah. game for me. <laughs> exactly, and and it's because it's it's skill based in that you have to set up your party right, but you don't need to like fight like a Souls game, for example. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like I need to learn how to play the game again. I remember the mechanics. And I know what, and it's it's, it's essentially just a, a JRPG, right? With turn-based combat, it's just dressed up like a hack and slash. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's really familiar stuff. So yeah, it's, and it's good fun. It's it's still fun. I enjoyed it when I was a kid. I enjoyed it when I played it again on Xbox, which was probably five to six years ago. And I've enjoyed playing it now. It's it's great. And I'm determined to get it finished. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's on that list, man. You got to strike another one off. Exactly. And did you manage to squeeze any hours on anything else other than Final Fantasy Twelve? Nope, that was really all I've managed to put any significant time on. You know, the usual shout-outs to... Uh, Tetris Unlimited? Or... No, 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 to Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms. Right, okay, like the usual like, background game. Yeah, but that's just like I literally go in for five minutes here or there, make sure everything's as high a level Thinking as away can. Away nicely. Yeah, I don't need to do. <laughs> so no, that really is all I've played this week, man. How about you, man? What, what have you been up to this week? So this week, aside from sticking a few hours into Call of Duty, I continued my Stardew Valley run-through. So I've been sort of slowly progressing there, getting to know the townsfolk more, continuing to build my farm, and hopefully trying to automate some things. I'm still yet to acquire any iron ore or steel ore, I'm not really sure which one, uh, to build myself some farming hoses so I can actually get the crops to automatically water themselves, as opposed to going around with a watering can, which I'm currently doing every morning. Yeah, long that. I did actually do a little bit more of exploring of the mine this week, so I actually leveled up my combat skills a little bit, as well as exploring and, uh, and digging away, trying to find some valuable minerals. I actually got to level 20 in the mines and at that point I found a chest which gave me a little steel short sword which is great because uh, that is a nice little upgrade from the wooden sword that I was using up until that point. (laughs) It's significantly more damage. Nice. So you like these enemies that you were struggling with before you're like one or two shotting now. Does it feel really satisfying? Well, to be honest with you, I mean, I am noticing that I'm having a much harder time in the depths, but I haven't actually gone back and gone to the early levels before just to go back and test all of that out. It does seem like things are getting progressively harder and there's certainly more enemies to fight there, quite a bit of variation in terms of the things that you're hunting down in the dungeons. Like I said though, that's kind of where I'm going to get my iron slash steel ore from for these hoses, but I uh, don't actually know. So if anyone does know where to uh, get some get some ingredients for my hose set up, do uh, drop us a line on Twitter because <laughs> I'm kind of stumped at the moment and I'm kind of, at this point, I'm deciding to avoid just looking up the Wikipedia for this game. I want to kind of get this fairly organically, at least through friends. I don't want to kind of just look up the Wikipedia every time I get stuck sort of thing. So yeah. I'm hoping at some point as I progress through the mines, I'll finally find some. I know that you can buy some off of the blacksmith, but I don't want to give that guy money. Yeah. He's just there to crack my geodes, and that's about it. That's cool. Well, I might have the hookup for you, mate. Let, let me talk to some people. Okay, okay, yeah. As, as I mentioned, I think, on last week's pod, um, my mate Sai has gone quite far in this game, so I'm sure okay, I can hit okay. him up for I need an answer. To, yeah, I need a few little little whispers there on how to get that. Yeah, I'll just I'll just holler out and be like, yo, Sai, how do you find iron ore in, <laughs> in Stardew? And he'll be like, why are you asking me? The guy's me? trying to build a hose. Yeah. My guy, my guy said he needs it for his hose. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's actually a sprinkler that I need to build, not a hose. But 
Whatever. <laughs> uh, aside from doing the mining, I've also been doing a little bit of fishing uh, and just kind of progressing there. I've now unlocked a better rod that I can now equip bait to, so slowly progressing there. I'm kind of using the fish mostly for eating, and I haven't figured out cooking quite yet, so I am mostly <laughs> appearing to just be eating raw fish and just vegetables that i'm pulling out the ground and eating directly i mean it's it's, it's sustainable can't say much for my diet but you know this is all hand grown myself you know and no no pesticides you yeah. know what's going in me yeah and just and just you know eating fish live from fresh from catching them <laughs> i feel like Gollum at the moment just kind yeah. of bashing fish and chomping down so I mentioned earlier that I was engaging a little bit more with the civilians of the town. It's kind of not going so great to my favour. I'm struggling to find oh. kind of gifts that citizens appreciate. Uh, <laughs> Linus is kind of the only guy that likes me at the moment. Uh, I'm just I imagining kind of... you trying to give someone like a rock and being like, here, have this. And they're like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? No, I've learned to not give them rocks, but they don't even appreciate fish and sometimes even gold star vegetables. They're just not interested. Basically, gold star to... vegetables, I can maybe see. But why it's are you giving someone a raw fish just God like hey, damn hey vegetable. be my friend have a fish <laughs> hey it's a it's it's a silver star fish take it or leave it well it's not, some it's of not them even get the offended there was actually someone that i i was looking at the social meeting and i had some hearts for them and i gave them a fish and it actually maybe they like them less and oh, i just wow. can't imagine a situation where someone was like would you like a fish that i caught and i'd be like i like you less now as a result of you offering me that fish it's that's like made that. me think less of you I can't believe you've asked me if I want a fish, like, and I don't have to do anything for it. It's unbelievable, Jeff! Some of these town civilians seem pretty shallow, I'm not going to say. So Linus is my boy, really. I'm just sticking out with a woodland hobbit or whatever this dude is. Do you still think Pierre's a cunt? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've actually moved on now to giving Pierre seaweed and algae each morning, uh, other than Wednesdays when he closes his store. So that's kind of my thing. He hates it. He says it makes him sick and never to give it to him again. So the moment I read that, I was like, aha, this means this is now your morning breakfast. At nine o'clock every morning, I will come to your store and give you some algae. Nice. <laughs> and uh, and he hates me for it. But on the other hand, I am figuring now other ways to get at him. So I've started dating his daughter. And uh, oh, wow. as I'm actually dropping off and giving him algae, I'm then obviously dropping off a lovely few flowers for his daughter right in front of him. I'm trying to play the whole card so at one point in the game I can just nail him with the whole she calls me daddy too line because I think that yeah. yeah we just got to hit him with that at some point really take this guy down a peg. Well man I mean if you manage that that's a way more in-depth social mechanic than I thought Stardew Valley had. <laughs> I don't think that they would have accounted for that I don't think that there's like a, there's no doubt some sort of fuck Pierre mod for the game I'm sure that that exists <laughs> however I don't think that and by fuck Pierre I don't mean bang Pierre I yeah, mean, yeah. like, fuck that guy, Pierre. <laughs> but I don't think that that's vanilla in the game. I don't think that you're supposed to have this level of dislike for the character that I currently do for Pierre in the game, at least in the vanilla edition. That's understandable. You gave some reasons last week that make sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, summer has also hit now, so uh, spring is done, and I'm actually starting to grow some peppers. Nice. So feeling good about the crop. They are a crop, which actually means that I can plant the plant, and it just grows, and I keep picking them, so I don't need to keep on buying seeds each time. Oh, that's good. A little bit more pricey than the old parsnip crops that i was growing last week but uh yeah we're getting there and i'm hoping it has a good yield i've been laying my fertilizer down and being <laughs> a good farmer and was your parsnip um, harvest was that a good yield it was bountiful yes i had 54 
parsnips in total. I think sort nice. of 20 odd were silver and then maybe a good 15-ish were gold because I'd use some of the fertilizers. So yeah, good times. And I'm yeah. hoping much the same for the peppers. And I've actually sort of expanded the farm a little bit so I can increase my yield a bit. We're currently rocking something like 91 pepper plants now. We've gone oh, wow. up. I'm doing everything in multiples of nine for some reason. That's how I've decided to figure out my patch. Oh, three threes. Yeah, three threes. Yes, yeah, square blocks of nine. That makes sense. And then sense, eventually, yeah. at some point, I'm going to use the center block for that to put hoses in. So we'll be going by multiples of eight because one of them will be taken up by the sprinkler. There you go. It's actually my maths is slowly improving. We've mentioned previously on the pod that my maths is awful. This game has kind of forced me to remember my times tables. <laughs> it's going back to school again. Oh, nice. But it's a very kind of relaxing and meditative game. I've been really enjoying kind of that experience of just taking your time, no rush to do anything. The year comes around each time and yeah, very good game. Very nice. good game. Excellent, man. It's good to hear. Other than that, though, man, uh, as you can imagine, I've been busy with a challenge this week. Uh, but before we get too ahead of ourselves, why don't we move on to the gaming news? So on with our first article of the day from the BBC themselves. Hello, the Beebs. What's up, Beebs? Microsoft has entered into a 10-year agreement to bring Call of Duty to Nintendo consoles following its plan to acquire the game's publisher. So this is, of course, related to the numerous discussions we've had previously on the podcast around Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard, uh, which also makes Overwatch and Warcraft. The deal is currently still on the table for roughly 69 billy. Nice. 69 billy, that is, US dollars, 56.5 billy uh, English GBPs. Is the pounds doing that well? Jesus. <laughs> well, according to this BBC article, which I think was published as of yesterday, uh, so Microsoft wants to buy Blizzard. The deal would enable Microsoft to stop Call of Duty from appearing on rival consoles, such as the PlayStation 5. Well, yeah, except for they offered them a 10-year deal too. Yeah, yeah. Following Phil Spencer tweeting this news, Brad Smith, Microsoft president, followed up the tweet with, and I quote, our acquisition will bring Call of Duty to more players and more platforms than ever before. I don't see how that's possible. I mean, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. He goes on to say, that's good for competition and good for consumers. Thank you, at Nintendo. Any day, at Sony, wants to sit down and talk, we'll be happy to hammer out a 10-year deal for PlayStation as well. Wow, a direct so, dig, really. Public call-out right there. Oof. He tagged Sony. Your move, Jim Ryan. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, Jim Ryan is kind of... We'll have to see there. I don't think he actually is on Twitter. Probably no. due to... Who knows? He may have one day been on Twitter, but I imagine that his account is probably, if it did exist, being spammed with trolls and things like that at this point, given the publicity for this news. So uh, I don't think we really need to linger on this. This is just sort of clearly another quick dig that Microsoft is taking at Sony, given their sort of current reception. I've also been reading articles this week uh, where they've mentioned that Sony is essentially more interested in talking to the media and to regulators than they are to Microsoft at this point. And it sounds like, you know, provided this all goes through, I'm not sure where the uh, CMA are in their process in terms of auditing all of this and making sure that it's all above board. But uh, I can't think that this is going to be drawn out all that much longer. And uh, Nintendo are happy to jump on boards. 
Nintendo, of course, I don't think have had a Call of Duty title for a good few years on any of their consoles, so it'll be interesting to see what Microsoft intends to bring to the Switch for Call of Duty. Will this be sort of spin-off titles, or are they intending on bringing mainline titles, sort of the remasters and the original titles to the Switch? Who knows? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, because obviously, I, you know, with some of the more modern titles, I don't know how the Switch hardware would deal with that. But uh, yeah, for me, this just underlines... Microsoft at least perceived position of hey guys we just want games to be everywhere and we want it to be on all platforms for everyone to access and openly calling out Sony like that is a move that I quite respect because it's like look we want to do this you've said no comment when asked about it before as well it just makes it seem now even more like and it, I, I believe this is the case but it now makes it seem more like PlayStation are literally just trying to do whatever they can to just stop the deal going through because I didn't get it I don't I don't want no one else to have it because I didn't <laughs> yeah, get it's, it. Yeah it's a case of sour grapes at this point 100 percent. but to call them out publicly whilst also proving your point and talking about this bringing games to everyone and signing a deal with nintendo is just uh, you know a pretty great ticket there for a pretty sweet tweet from brad smith exactly and it's also a good move as well i think nintendo are being sensible with it because they've had seen major success when fortnite came over to the switch and call of duty being cross-platform as well i can see like there being a huge market there for sure yeah and i think that you're also right there when you mentioned before about the call of duty mainline titles uh perhaps that being a bit of a stretch to appear on the switch or future nintendo consoles but warzone oh i wouldn't that would be even more of a stretch because warzone is like i have to run warzone on lower settings than modern warfare 2 sort of thing yeah because it's it's, they're really packing that in that's the that changes my argument then because i think that's probably what they're mainly doing it for i think that the call of duty titles that appear on the nintendo consoles have a likelihood of kind of being fairly specialized as they were in previous titles where it's essentially an adapted call of duty game it might follow the same story beads. It might just have maybe one of the game modes, something like zombies in it or, or something similar to that. Yeah. But I think it'll be kind of like a slimmed down uh, experience on low settings, something akin to that sort of thing, as opposed to a mainline title that, say, would come out next year or two, uh, like Modern Warfare 3 slash Black Ops, whatever the hell number we're on now. Five? Uh, if they carry on, <laughs> I, I think guess. we're on five, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's doubtful that we'll actually see those titles coming out on a Nintendo console any soon, unless they majorly slim them down. Yeah, it'd be certainly be interesting to see. I, I agree with you that I can see some slimmed down version of previous titles, but I, I yeah, I don't think they're going to bring out Modern Warfare 3 as a Switch first day, for sure. No way, but it'd be interesting to see what comes out of this, given that they have now entered into this 10-year agreement. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing what Nintendo do show out. I can't wait to get a Mario skin for Warzone. It's a me. Yeah, oh yeah, it's a Mario. <laughs> okay, so on to our second news article of the day, and a very timely one indeed. Elden Ring gets a Colosseum update. The doors Ooh. that have long since been locked, and players will have obviously noticed as they've been traversing around the lands between, have now opened. You can actually finally. visit these coliseums and finally crack the doors open. Hell yeah. Fans awaiting Elden Ring's PvP-focused update 1.08 can now jump in to challenge each other in epic showdowns that are sure to show off some of the most impressive builds out there. So this is obviously going to be a fantastic clash of uh, classes there. But I'm looking forward to seeing just an insane flurry of Spirit Ash summons fights and things like that that are no doubt going to be facilitated by a game mode like this. If you're into PvP, this sounds like a really cool thing. Like, I think I read that there's modes where you can do one-on-ones, team-style thingies, and ones where it's teams but you can summon people in or something like that. Yeah, that's right. So uh, the Colosseums that you can visit are in Limgrave, Lanedale, and Kaelid, and across those different Colosseums, you essentially can activate different game modes. 
So if you're looking for a 1v1 showdown, aka the dual mode, you need to go to Lanedale. Uh, so in that mode, you actually have no respawns and it's just you and your build against a fellow Tarnished. The Limgrave Coliseum offers a straight up every Tarnished for themselves battle with combat ordeal. So that sounds very much like the free for all mode that you were describing. Right. And that's basically a person with the most points for kills claims the victory sort of thing. So that'll be very chaotic, I'm imagining. So that's kind of like a sort of multiplayer arena type job. It does sound like it. I'm not seeing anything yeah. there to suggest that there aren't any respawns. And I can imagine that maybe a last man standing mode would just be too crazy. So I'm imagining that, yeah, there probably are respawns in the free-for-all. If it says whoever gets the most point wins... Yeah, that definitely that's implies That's what's making me think, that, yeah. I mean, because otherwise you could get a bunch of kills at the start of the game, then die, and then still win the game if everyone had their kills more spread out. So, yeah. yes, I think that you're probably right there. That is a respawn, which is very new for the game, because finally you're actually in a game mode there where once you die, you don't get disconnected from the player's game, have to <laughs> lay down your summon sign, get summoned in again. It's actually kind of dead and respawning the game which is cool to see yeah interesting as well new new to pvp i'm pretty sure i don't think that's been anything else that they've done yeah i don't think so i haven't really explored the dark souls remastered pvp special area that they had but i don't recall seeing anything like this when i did quickly check out the descriptions yeah so the limgrave coliseum also features united combat which is essentially a 2v2 teams squaring off the respawn is definitely confirmed as active in this area and whoever scores the most kills wins pretty straightforward 2v2 gameplay there yeah and that sounds quite fun actually we should get on that yeah i would actually quite enjoy playing something like that i think that yes yeah we'd have a great time there yeah uh so the caleb coliseum permits the use of spirit ashes in all of the game modes we mentioned previously for all combatants across the pvp modes so uh that's just going to be essentially the free-for-all there if you're all calling in multiple enemies in terms of your spirit ashes that could get really crazy and uh i'll love to see it yeah and mimic tier is going to be used a lot yeah no doubt no doubt it's just going to be duplicates of other players running around yeah. constantly it'll be interesting to pitch mimic tier against mimic tier before you have your actual showdown sort yeah. of thing that'd be quite cool to see how the ais cope they probably start attacking you i don't know that yeah way, you yeah. would have to call in your mimic tiers and then back off a good distance yeah. It would have to be kind of pre-arranged almost, or you'd need to just judge that that's what the other player was also looking to do. Yeah, exactly. As well as the Coliseum update, there's also been a few adjustments to various game mechanics, things like attack speed, recovery time, stagger damage, and the likes. I read the patch notes earlier. It's not for all weapons. It's only for some weapons that they've done those modifications to. Yes, absolutely. And I gather that based on what we talked about previously, where there's going to be separate scaling for PvP and PvE, these sorts of changes also won't affect your game if you're just playing within the environment and you're not bothering with any of the PvP or online elements. Unless they've done it for the whole game and that just, yeah, I, I didn't read specifically that it wasn't for everything, but I can believe that they just did it for the Coliseum. Yeah, it would make sense. Uh, final few PvP adjustments for a PvP-focused, uh, you know, additional content. Exactly, yeah. It, it counts for lag. Like, so it's things like your crouched thrust attack that isn't as quick. Right, okay. So, okay. so it's probably to account for lag and things like that. Uh, yeah, so looking forward to getting stuck into this. Unfortunately, being busy with the challenge this week, I did actually crack a Coliseum door open accidentally however <laughs> i thought it was the way to go and then i accidentally just kind of opened a door and it gave me a few pop-ups but i very quickly ran out because i still had plenty of the challenge to do at that point so i cracked on there instead yeah this uh, this isn't really that exciting for me because i'm not a massive pvp guy i think it's cool but i'm hoping that uh from soft actually announce 
or are working on and then announce later or just release some more content dlc as well for the single player guys well who knows buddy i mean if we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves and moving on to the third article of this week we may well see some elden ring dlc revealed at the game awards which is beginning soon later on tonight for us uk gmt (laughs) that's right Grab your Doritos, Flaming Hot Mountain Dew, and your favourite waifu body pillow. It's the Game Awards! Flaming Hot Mountain Dew? Oh yes, baby, it exists. Not Flaming Hot Doritos? No, no, no. These are the Flaming Hot Doritos Mountain Dew variant. (laughs) It exists, I checked it out. It's not a thing. It's a real thing. (laughs) Okay. You can buy them on eBay. (laughs) God knows, I would never, ever dare to try the Flaming Hot Mountain Dew, but... uh, it's out there. So grab it and settle down for the Game Awards. <laughs> Get some! <laughs> Sponsored by Mountain Dew. The Game Awards will be hosted, as always, by the main man himself, Jeff Keeley, and will be streamed via YouTube. Big Jeff bringing it home, as always. Big Jeff with his fancy suits and his fancy trainers. And, 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 Kaji- and Kojima-san on speed dial. We shall see. Hey, you know, there was rumours last week that we will be seeing a Death Stranding 2 reveal or some yeah. sort of sneak peek there, so... If I'm not mistaken, he did choose to reveal the Death Stranding director's cut at one of the Game Awards previously, so this may well be his chosen venue for showcasing new content now. It'd be very Kojima of him if he was like, just, yeah, and we've also got this thing that I've just been just working on. Just one more thing. Just this thing I've been working <laughs> on, you know. You know what, I'm pretty sure that's how the uh, reveal for Death Stranding director's cut was done. So oh, really? <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me at all. <laughs> Jokes. <laughs> so, James, I figured... In light of this special event, I would give us a chance to make a few predictions for the Game Awards. Ooh. So, James, starting off with Best Art Direction nominated is... Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon, Forbidden West, Scorn, and Stray. So I think these games, these are all pretty obviously strong contenders. I mean, I, you know, gather that uh, we, neither of us has actually played Stray, although we have seen some, and also I think the same for Forbidden West as well, that we haven't actually played it ourselves. I haven't even seen any live gameplay of Forbidden West. But you have seen some gameplay of Forbidden West overall, so I imagine you would get some sort of sense of the style of art design and things like that in the game. I know the style, yeah, for sure. So given that, James, do you have any sort of leanings here as to which one you think may snag this award? I think that Ragnarok's probably going to get it. Yes, I, I'm leaning on agreeing with you there. I think probably But I'd like to likely. give a shout out to Scorn. I agree, yeah. I think that for what the game is and the sort of art style, which is what this is really about, the art direction, you can't really argue with Scorn for what it does. Based on your description, seeing some of your footage, seeing some other footage and screenshots and things like that, it certainly nails its art direction. So shout outs to that, but I think Ragnarok wins. Yeah, yes. Agreed there. I think that... This is the sort of thing where I think that Scorn may lose out to things like God of War Ragnarok or Elden Ring just due to popularity contest sort of basis rather than purely looking at art direction because Scorn just feels so handcrafted and it's so horrifying yet beautiful to look at. Uh, exactly. I think that it probably takes it. Shout outs though, let's not underestimate the uh, the amount of style and art behind Elden Ring as well. It's a very impressive game to look at as well. I would think, or I would like for either Scorn or Elden Ring to win this, but like a few of these other awards as well, I think that God of War Ragnarok is probably going to steal in these with the kind of recent hype for it and recent release. I agree, I think Elden Ring is a strong shout. I just think that it's got a great art style, but I don't think its art direction necessarily overall is as good as Scorn's for what the game is trying to achieve. 
It's close. Agreed. If we're it's talking close. pure quality over quantity, then yeah. Scorn, I reckon, takes this. But uh, yeah, I reckon that uh, in reality, we'll see another title win. Yeah, and I hasten to add that's not me saying that I think Scorn looks better than Elden Ring. It's the art direction of the game. It's not a graphics contest. Yeah, exactly. It's not a graphics contest. It's an art contest. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, James, it sounds like you're pretty much settled that it's going to be God of War is going to take that one. I will agree with you on this one. On to the next category, which is best ongoing content. So this is a game that has sort of received a sustained amount of updates over a amount of time, and the game has sort of changed and moved with the times. Here we have listed in this category Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy XIV, Fortnite, and Genshin Impact. Well, I've only played two of these, and right. one of them didn't work. <laughs> yes, that's true. Only for the uh, challenge, to be fair. I played it a bit before, <laughs> and it was fine every time. So what I think will probably win... Is and I'm going to be a bit of a dick on this one and sort of sit on the fence. I think it's either going to be for Fortnite or Destiny 2. Really? That is very interesting, because I would have picked neither of those for my choices. Fortnite is the juggernaut that it is, and even though I think its popularity is arguably dipped from its peak, it's still huge. And it's actually also followed up by a fairly recent graphical update, as well as a few gameplay elements as well. Fair. And they always do custom skins too. Like. Yeah, there's an absolute big massive push for that at the moment. They've recently announced characters, so Geralt's making his way in from the Witcher series. Exactly. Mr. Beast is going to be a character, of yeah, they course. Had, they had Mando, I think. They had, yeah, so. yeah. So they are just absolutely building on that. And I have actually had a few little peeks at the new gameplay footage, just to take a quick look at the graphics. And i got to say, it does look very, very nice for the art style that they've gone for in that game as well. It's quite a lot of new shader effects. The colours seem dialed up to 11 now. It does look like a very nice looking game for that <laughs> art style. They were very before, cartoonish. Right? But... <laughs> well, I mean, yes. If you uh, thought that it couldn't get any more vibrant, you were mistaken, sir. You say vibrant, I say garish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> semantics, semantics. Yeah. Potato, potato. Uh, so, uh, do you have a definitive choice for your winner of the best ongoing content award uh, as, as i say fortnite or destiny I, i'll fortnite destiny 2 i'll go fortnite but i'm not convicted in my answer how about you what, what are your thoughts i guess my kind of two thoughts on this would be it would either be taken by genshin impact just because i know that that still does have a very large community and is a very lucrative game for them they are absolutely raking it in at the moment much like Fortnite, it's also seen its fair share of recent updates throughout the year, including a brand new area, which I believe is called Sumeru. They've also released a new character, which can now fly, so that adds an additional oh, element hell. to the game. So, you know, I think that there's a very strong chance that Genshin Impact could take this. But i got to say, if I'm looking at one game that's going to pip this, I reckon it's Final Fantasy XIV. And I don't think that necessarily comes from just my bias of having played the MMO recently online. Shout but I think as a sustained... <laughs> I just think as a sustained sort of body of work, this game has had a real turnaround, almost a kind of a No Man's Sky level turnaround uh, in terms of its initial reception and where it's now ended up. It seems to have an extremely engaged community. I'm not particularly, you know, uh, I wouldn't count myself as a member of that community, but I do keep up to date with the various Final Fantasy XIV subreddits and it does look like an absolute blast. I know people are really keen on the storyline and how that's progressing. And it just seems like at this point, every single DLC content that they've released just seems to have gone down really well. And I think just in terms of quality there, I think Final Fantasy XIV might well take it. I can believe it. Final Fantasy is incredibly popular. We'll have to see. I'm looking forward to seeing who the winner of that is there. 
Destiny 2, I think there's not a chance in hell that they're going to get that. I think that their fan base is far too divided in terms of what they want, and there doesn't seem to be a consensus in terms of the content that's coming out. And a lot of the decisions they've made more recently have been quite divisive in terms of stripping out content, replacing it with seasonal dungeons that can only be accessed at a certain point of the year and then fall out of the rotation, whereas they were previously just sort of base game content. Yeah, that's lame. So that's, that's really I, I, Destiny 2, no way in hell is getting that one. Oh, I didn't I know I might not that. be able to guess who's getting it. I can definitely guess who ain't getting it, and I'll yeah. goddamn eat my hat if it's Destiny 2. Yeah, well, we'll see, man. <laughs> we'll see. I didn't know that when I said that they were in with a shout. But, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I just do it by numbers, man. Like, Destiny 2 is popular. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. And again, like, you know, who's to say that a lot of these awards aren't going to win this purely based on, as we've kind of alluded to before, it's a popularity contest, perhaps, yeah. over necessarily a quality contest. Moving swiftly on to our next award, the Best Action Game. So here in this lineup, we have Bayonetta 3, COD, Modern Warfare 2, Sifu, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge. The only title that I've actually played out of this list is Modern Warfare 2. I've seen a significant amount of Sifu and Bayonetta 3. And, you know, actually, I've, I've dipped my toes into a bit of gameplay footage of Shredder's Revenge as well. Oh, wow. So Shredder's Revenge is kind of like a very much brawler-inspired uh, recreation with a lot of inspiration from, obviously, the original cartoon series as well as the previous video game titles. You can play as the four turtles and absolutely blaze it up and have just a good old-fashioned... Blaze it up? Yeah. <laughs> Is that where they're getting pizzas the whole time? <laughs> Damn straight, that's where's all the pizzas, yeah. Pizza time! It's just a very refined brawler type game that looks very fun to play. So I can see that that might stand up there, although I don't think that that's particularly likely to win this award. Sifu looks like a very interesting combat game that requires yeah. a lot of precision, patience, and timing. Uh, so I think that that may well stick up there. I think that there isn't really all that much action in COD. There's certainly a lot of shooting and explosions, but in terms of just pure all-out action, I think that it's probably more likely that Bayonetta 3 is going to take this. Bingo! I don't know enough about any of these games to be definitive once again, uh, but from what I do know, I think Sifu should win this. I think Sifu is a very strong choice. Uh, however, I think that Bayonetta 3 is probably likely to scoop this one up. You're making it easy. Just based on what I know about previous games, the all-out action and crazy things that are occurring, the style of the game, I reckon that one will probably sweep the best action game on style alone. Smashing! Quickly moving on to the best RPG. So the games we have listed in this category are Elden Ring, Live Alive, Pokemon Legends Arceus, Triangle Strategy, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Okay, the correct answer is Elden Ring. We'll move on now. It's <laughs> yeah. as simple as that for me. Yeah, I have a feeling that it's likely <laughs> going to be taken by Elden Ring. I think Xenoblade Chronicles 3 I haven't heard anything bad about, and that's to say that kind of no news is good news pretty much in this current uh, climate of gaming. Yeah, <laughs> so... I mean, I have only heard good things, and I will give Arceus some props. It's, it's definitely sort of was a game changer in terms of how that franchise was viewed uh, in this in the sense of the style and how you catch Pokemon how they are in the wild and all that how it switched it up yeah contrary to what we've just said about this being a bit of a popularity contest there is no way that Legends Arceus is taking best RPG no. over Elden Ring I mean like I said I reckon Xenoblade may creep in there and snag it but there is no way that Arceus is uh, winning over Elden Ring exactly I could <laughs> see Xenoblade winning it and I would have no issue with Xenoblade winning it but if anything else on this list beats Elden Ring, then there's no credibility in this category whatsoever. <laughs> 
Moving on now to the best multiplayer game. Once again, we have Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 nominated. Uh, Multiverses, which is the Warner Bros. franchised own brawler slash Super Smash Bros. ripoff. We also have on the list Overwatch 2, Splatoon 3, and once again, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. You're probably best to ask on this one, as I think you've played more of these than I have. I, I'll say quickly, I think COD's going to win this, but only again because it's the popular one and I haven't played any of the others. I think you may well be right on this. Uh, I haven't personally played Overwatch 2, uh, so the only real input I've heard about it was when we reported some very dodgy custom game goings on oh yeah Jesus so that Christ. sort of marred my image perhaps somewhat uh splatoon 3 as well i know that the previous titles of that were very popular this is actually a category that i would quite like to see teenage mutant ninja turtles take and mostly because this is still aimed at a couch co-op and in terms of multiplayer i do get that that sort of has a different meaning now in terms of this is online large server style games I would really like to see a couch co-op focused game take this award. Uh, although I think that you're probably right and this one will be scooped up by Modern Warfare 2. Yeah, I completely agree with your sentiment. I think it'd be lovely to see a couch co-op game win this. Moving on to perhaps one of the more exciting categories this year, the Game of the Year Awards. Oof, the big one. We did actually kind of briefly mention this in terms of lineup nominees previously. We did. And we got them all right. It's almost as if we looked it up. <laughs> So once again, for the uh, listeners with not so great memory, we have <laughs> Plague Tale Requiem. If you can't remember an episode, well, God knows if I could. It's kind of say, a, do you remember what episode bell, it was, <laughs> I don't. Moving on. <laughs> You're both just awful. So the nominees this year are Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. So, James, have your opinions changed since we last discussed this, or are you fairly sure that Ragnarok is going to scoop up this one as well? No, my, my view really hasn't changed on this, man. I think that, as I said before, whilst I might give some props to Elden Ring because it came out earlier in the year, more people have had a chance to play it and have all loved it, um, I do think God of War Ragnarok wins it. What I will say that has changed since we last spoke about it is uh, I've mentioned that my mate Sai has got Ragnarok. He has now completed Ragnarok and has nothing but great things to say about it. He even I can says that it possibly surpasses the first one, which is one of his top games of all time. Right, okay, so, yeah, no. Big praise there indeed. Big praise big, indeed. Big and praise. that, to me, just solidifies that it, it won it before. And if it's as good and a little better even maybe than the first one, I, I just can't see it not winning it. How about you, man? Yeah, absolutely. I pretty much mirror your opinion there. I think in terms of it being a recent release, I think in terms of the the heartstrings that this game is going to tug on, I think that things like that are going to pip this over the other title, which I think should have won this, which would be Elden Ring. Uh, and I think that, that just for that reason alone, it's more of kind of like a preference in storytelling and a preference in gameplay. And I just think that Ragnarok has that larger mass appeal in terms of those two factors as opposed to the choices that Elden Ring made. Moving on to the last category I've picked this week, the most anticipated category. Now, I left Ooh, this one to the end. interesting. I didn't know this was a category. That's cool. Yeah, I know. So this is kind of an award for, I guess, the most general interest in a game. This is truly <laughs> a popularity contest because... People have essentially just gameplay footage to go on at this point for the majority of these titles. Yeah. And presumably this is most anticipated game that's coming out next year. So, the list of nominees. 
Final Fantasy 16. We also have on the list Hogwarts Legacy, which I know you're excited for. My guy's yeah. already got his pre-order in for that title. Yeah, a few months ago now. The Resident Evil 4 remake is also on the list, as well as Starfield and Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. This so these are some tough. real, real heavy hitters on here, and yeah. I think that this one very much comes down to a bias between us. I think that either think one of us, depending say. on... Yeah, I mean, RE4 for me is a very much personally highly anticipated game. In terms of pure numbers, I wonder whether Starfield or Legend of Zelda take this. That's all I can really throw out, just because I know people are hyped for Starfield, not me personally. Uh, and I think the Legend of Zelda is just going to be a massive game as well, and that one I am very much looking forward to playing. Yeah, I, I, I find it hard to disagree with anything you've just said there. What I will say is I think if this was last year, Starfield would probably have had more of a chance. I feel I feel like that's come off the boil a little bit. So I so I don't really know whether I put stuff in. I I agree with you about Resi Four. I don't think it wins this though. It's a tough one for me because I think that Hogwarts Legacy is the one I'm the most looking forward to playing. But how much of that is because I've already paid for it? So it's kind of <laughs> you already committed financially to exactly. this. I have so, to enjoy it. Yeah, no, for at least twenty I, hours. <laughs> I think I'm going to. I think it looks great from what I've it does seen, look great. Yeah, but I I don't want to because I think my answer f like for logically what I think is going to win is Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. Right, because okay. everyone is fucking looking forward to that game. Yeah, I think but so. Yeah, not me, except yeah. for me. I I don't really <laughs> you just, care. Uh, you're I'm really not interested until they've, uh, until they've made those weapons non-breakable. You exactly. just don't well, that sure. too, yeah. <laughs> um, and Final Fantasy 16, I just, uh, whilst I think it's going to be huge, I, I just don't think it's... I didn't even know it was coming out, look at it that way. Right, yeah. Final Fantasy 15 did have a very strong release, to be fair, but, uh, you know, so I'm sure that there is going to be a lot of weight behind that, but we shall see. We shall see. Um, all cards on the table. I wasn't aware there was a Final Fantasy 16 coming out either. So. Exactly. And that to me <laughs> says quite a lot, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think for me, Zelda probably takes it. Agreed. Okay. Well, James, I had a bit of fun there running through our latest predictions for the Game Awards. It'll be really interesting to see what actually does win what loses out and uh yeah fingers crossed that some of our predictions were right and we actually look somewhat informed or on the pulse on this thing and not yeah. like a complete absolute <laughs> out of touch yeah it's like we come back next week and it's like oh i did not see stray winning game of the year yeah man who knows well there may well be a few surprises for us but uh we'll just have to wait to find out okay man so that's the gaming news wrapped up for this week i think it's time we moved on to the long-awaited a games challenge <laughs> So, man, last week I set you the challenge to finish your own personal challenge, really, of <laughs> completing Elden Ring finally um, with the specific stipulation of do every single boss you possibly can, which would include all the achievement bosses minus one, which I didn't know whether you'd done the prerequisite quests for. This is definitely a challenge that I was looking forward to taking on, and I was kind of almost immediately hyped to just start <laughs> playing it uh, from the moment, from the get-go, so I really did need that sort of extra level of motivation to pick this game up again. I knew it wouldn't take a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And i got to say, picking this game up, it had been a long time since I picked this game up. Good couple and of months, right? Yeah, I was a little bit worried about being kind of rusty. Yeah, it's like a bike, mate. More so Elden Ring than any of the other ones, I've got to say. Yeah, well, I mean, my familiarity with Elden Ring coupled with the fact that it does feel like a very similar game to the earlier titles, the Souls series and Bloodborne yeah. and things like that. Even though they're sort of different speeds, different timings and things... 
it just I don't know how quite how to describe it, but the way your character moves just always feels the same kind of. Yeah. Because it's, uh, it's precise and good. Yeah, yeah, basically. that's definitely a part of it. But you know, that said, uh, I was certainly not rusty in terms of gameplay mechanics. I was, however, extremely rusty in terms of storyline. <laughs> Sorry to say that uh, given my kind of lack of memory of where I actually finally got to, this was very much like, okay, go here, kill a bunch of guys. Go here, kill a bunch of guys. I I had no idea what was going on, and this is going to be a boss rush commentary, essentially. (laughs) I can try and fill in some of the blanks, but... Okay, yeah, fingers crossed. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) Uh, I think I initially mentioned that I'd started my way through Farah Mazula, and I'd taken on the Godskin duo. I think that's where we finally left it in terms of when I last spoke about this game on the podcast. I believe so, yes. You'd just beaten them. And as I think I also mentioned previously, I figured out that by continuing down that path, I was going to essentially force my way to completing the game and potentially miss out additional bosses that I uh, wouldn't have fought otherwise. So after realising that there was plenty more content back at the Halig Tree, I decided to make my way back there and take on some more of the bosses, especially reinforced by the rules of this week's game challenge that I was to take on as many bosses as possible. So I went back there and I took on Loretta, Knight of the Halig Tree. I think I've seen you somewhere before. Yeah, this was a very familiar feeling boss fight. I mean, they did have a few extra bells and whistles, but this was yeah. basically just fighting a mounted enemy. Very similar to the Erdtree Sentinel that you meet almost immediately after stepping out into the open world of the This game. is hilarious because you're talking about how it's similar to a boss. You literally fight Loretta in another boss fight. Oh, do you? Right, yeah, Royal oh, Knight Loretta. I must have you, forgotten that. You fight. Oh, you right. know where Rani's tower is, and there's the three towers. Oh yeah, there's yeah, a bit yeah. just before that. You fight her in there. <laughs> oh, do you? Okay, right. Okay, it's you, just and, it's, and it's bosses. compulsory, so you will definitely have done it. That's right, hilarious okay. that you didn't remember that. Yeah, like I said, man, I'm just so out of touch with uh, what I was actually up to in this game previous to that that none of this meant anything to, to me. To be fair, you probably <laughs> finished that boss in like March or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're probably right. I think probably as well, given that it was just another mounted enemy, even that fight wouldn't have been particularly standout to me because. Once again, it's just very similar to fights that you've had previously in the game. They use magic. That's really the only difference. Yeah, yeah. They've got a few extra magic moves, and their kind of their regular melee moves are sometimes extended by an additional spell explosion at the end of their last swing. So you just accommodate for another hit before you start attacking. So yeah, not a real shake up there. Dispatched fairly easily. I think Loretta took me. I think maybe two goes. I think I fucked up my first try. Uh, I was caught healing and uh, yeah. and got taken out by an additional explosion. So we move swiftly on to Melania, Blade of Mikella, which Before is we get a... into that, can I ask you one question? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Just for context, what level were you when you started all this as well? Roughly, give or take. Uh, so roughly the level, I think I was hanging around level 138 by the time I actually started this, which is very powerful for this point in the game. What I will say is that I didn't grind this game. There was no point at all in the campaign where I actually sat there and made an effort to grind out enemies. I just explored till my heart's content, banked the souls whenever I could, and just looked in every nook and cranny and tried to explore all of the dungeons. So, and that is kind of an issue with this game, is that a lot of these late game bosses, provided you are just exploring everything, you are going to be too powerful to fight them. I think that a lot of the difficulty in this game is kind of contingent on the fact that you don't explore everything and that you kind of push your way on through really and kind of just get this game done which is the opposite of what i did (laughs) yeah me too man and just to tie this back a little into the conversation we had around pokemon i don't think it's the best game design choice to actually not have any level scaling for the bosses in the game because i did end up with the impression by the end of this that i would have enjoyed this challenge if i had perhaps been maybe like 10 or 15 levels lower 
just because the boss fights would have been more difficult. Oh, spoiler for how you did. A lot of these boss fights, I would say the majority of these boss fights I was able to do in under about four goes. I'm surprised on two of them. Very surprised on two of them. But having heard your answer there, I'm not as surprised. And the exception to one of those I'm actually just about to come on to, and then perhaps this will alleviate some of the surprise. Melania certainly did take me more than four goes. Yeah. Uh, I think I probably spent around six or seven goes on Melania. That's still good. Again, just being that powerful, uh, you know, I was doing so much damage to her, which, you know, she did still take a fair few swings, and obviously the fact that she has a phase two as well. And she regens. She does regen as well. Um, I did use my Mimic, uh, you know, and again, sort of in, in full transparency here, I did use my Mimic tier for all of these boss encounters, so I did have pretty much a carbon copy of myself also fighting along. I, I, I'm of the opinion that the end game is scaled for you to use that. Yeah, which is, after speaking to a few friends, they were all sort of in agreement that that was the case obviously got, got one madman friend shout out to liam who actually completed this whole thing no spirit summons but uh but i i saw no shame in this it certainly wasn't ruled out as part of the challenge so i took uh, every opportunity that i could for an advantage just to talk a little bit about melania she's a kind of valkyrie inspired looking character isn't she although she's like kind of a rotted looking lady missing an arm and as you encounter her she's sort of slowly applying her armor uh, and she was a character that was featured fairly heavily in the promotional material for this game. And I got to say, I was disappointed by the amount of airtime that she did end up getting. I would have liked to have seen a lot more of her in the game. And I was almost perhaps hoping that she might be some sort of NPC as opposed to an optional boss that's fairly easy to miss in the game. Yeah, I agree with that to a degree. I think that she should have got more airtime, perhaps been involved in a storyline more than she was. But I think the fight's worth it, man. Great fight. The fight was really good. Don't get me wrong about yeah, the fight. It was really, fight. really, really good. And cool. the and the cutscene that sort of leads into it is wonderful. She has a fantastic we were talking about good boss monologues last week yeah. in Metal Gear Solid, but Elden Ring has some really strong ones, particularly yeah. for some of these bosses that'll be coming up next as well. I have never known defeat. A little bit more about Melania. So she was a character that was quite heavily featured in the post-launch marketing of this game as well, as being one of the particularly hard bosses in the game. And obviously a name that people are probably quite familiar with now in the Elden Ring fandom is Let Me Solo Her, which is a uh, vigilante do-gooder player that has decided to dedicate his time to joining other players who are struggling with this boss fight and actually soloing her by himself, usually using quite high skill techniques such as parries. Uh, and he tends to run around, I believe, with kind of just a, a naked character most of the yeah, time. No so armor. he doesn't even... Yeah, Maybe a helmet. Doesn't even, I think he has a helmet or a bucket hat or yeah. something, but he's not wearing anything that really gives him any defensive boost either. He's clearly just mastered the boss fight. Uh, I wasn't reliant on Let Me Solo Her to take me in. My Spirit Ash summon was enough. Good, because I, I might have disqualified you if you'd summoned a human in. I had to learn a few of her moves. She does have that one pretty much non-ending, it's like a 10-hit combo that you basically just have to run away from. Waterfowl something, it's called. Waterfowl dance. Right, yeah. And you have I to mean, like, run away from it for two bits of it and then dodge into it for the last bit or some shit. It's, it's ridiculous. I just run away. I managed to I avoid all away. of it by running away, but then yeah. she kind of does this like very final looking swing to that combo and then out of nowhere, just like there's like an, a windy explosion that happens. She doesn't even yeah. move and it's like an additional hit at the end. It's yeah. kind of bullshit. <laughs> like, yeah, and then you have like a really small window that you can capitalize on for one or two hits. 
But it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Just run away no. and stay away. I think some of the ease that I had with this boss fight was dictated by the fact that I was using my very heavy ship's anchor. And that was actually staggering her even on my light hits. So actually I was able to knock her out of her attacks quite yeah. a lot. Coupled with my mimic also being able to do the same. I was essentially just working in tandem with him and I applied this rule to a lot of the boss fights in this game which was to work in tandem. I would actually in fact let him do the first swing, follow up with a second to get a second stagger and then just pray that he was switched on enough to continue yeah. the combo and we were just essentially like eternally Bit stagger. Bit of aggro tennis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, less aggro tennis. We were kind of aggroing at exactly the same time but because of the effect of the stagger it was preventing them from doing moves. Yeah. So very effective. And once I kind of finally synchronized with a mimic tier, it was kind of a piece of cake. Even second stage, after I learned to run away at the initiation of the first bit, where she kind of hammers into the ground with a flower, even that was like, okay, you got to dodge a bit more. She has a few more AOE area yeah. of effect attacks. But for the most part, just keep hammering away with the anchor. Yeah, it's funny you say that, man, because I tried to do my first run of this originally with just a longsword. Because right. that's how I've always done Dark Souls games, typically. I use a longsword. And I got to two bosses that had made me had to change and start using the Mimic tier because I found them too hard with the longsword. One of them was Melania. And it's funny you say that because the first time I used my my ending main weapon, which I forget what it was called, but it was a big sort of double-handed morning star type thing. All right. And okay. it had the bleed cool. buff on it. Um, I think it was called like, it was something stars, but I can't remember exactly what it was called. But the first time I used that weapon from Lania Ibea. Right. Like literally because okay. of the stagger coupled with the bleed damage, coupled with using a mimic. It was just like easy. Literally the easiest thing. But I died like 15 to 20 times to her using a longsword. So I also had plenty of time to learn the moves and things, right? So it's just funny, but the extra stagger, just it makes so much difference. With Melania defeated, it was time to move on to the as yet unfinished Faram Azula. Oof. In my opinion, you're probably going to start talking about the hardest boss in the game for me coming up. Oh, that's interesting. So I thought you considered Melania the hardest no. boss in the game. No, Melania is widely considered the hardest boss in the game. The boss that I think you're about to talk about, I consider to be the hardest boss in the game, personally. Okay, okay. Unless you're going to talk about the other boss in Faramazla first. I don't know which one, if you got to either of them. <laughs> so, on arriving at crumbling Faramazla, I had one target set in my sights, and that was the Beast Clergyman. Yes. I got to the Great Bridge and handled him nicely. Uh, i got to say, his, his health bar just went... He is a two health bar boss, is he not? You drain his first health bar and then he comes back as Malaketh? Yes, and this is, for me, the hardest boss in the game. Malaketh was the hardest Malaketh boss in the game. Malaketh the hardest boss in the game, in my opinion. Right. Because of his debuff. What Remind me of his debuff. I remember him applying some sort of Makes scarlet. Makes your health bar smaller and drains your health. Do you know what? I was... And, and this Don't is a symptom of... Don't tell me you didn't get hit by his debuff. I did get hit by his debuff on one of my death attempts, and I did notice that was gone, and for a second there, when I saw my health bar grayed out like that, I had flashbacks to Dark Souls 1 when you get cursed, and I was yeah. thinking, oh god, this isn't permanent, is it? It's not, thankfully. You die, yeah, yeah. and then you come back, and it's gone. But... Again, this was, this was I actually found uh, Melania harder than Malaketh. So once you've defeated the Beast Clergyman, he reveals his true form, which is Malaketh. And between myself and my Mimic tier, we, we kind of stomped him. Really didn't have much difficulty with that. But it's funny, you know, you say that was one of the hardest enemies you've had in the game. There's other bosses that I've described to you in other FromSoft games, uh, like Bloodborne. Dark Beast uh, particularly Dark Beast Pile comes to mind. Yeah. I think you first timed it. That motherfucker had me stuck on him for like a few days, you know? Yeah, so. I... I, I Dark Beast Pile I find incredibly easy, yeah. 
It's, it's like, it's just one of them things, isn't it? A lot of it comes down to play style. A lot of it comes down to your choice of weapon at the time. Yeah. It sounds like we were running very different builds, which may have served us better in different, you know, different certain situations. Well, I think ultimately we ended up with the same build. I like I ended the game with 95 strength and using this weapon scaled to strength. Holy shit. It was just like, yeah. So quickly, stats on the table. I think I finished the game with roughly the, the, the memorable stats anyway. 70 strength, 40 endurance, 60 vitality oh that's high and yeah that was high yeah yeah my health bar was like halfway across the screen it was like going past the compass that's at the top of the screen wow jeez nice and and as i said you know strength was at 70 and i can't imagine what you were doing what did you say your strength was native 90 95 with a talent 95 buffed so like that's just an insane amount of damage to be doing obviously I hit the soft cap at 60 and then didn't push it past that. And I imagine that's obviously where some of your, your falling off in terms of returns for those 95 strength got you. No, I literally didn't see a fall off, man. It's ridiculous. I'm sure that there would have been in terms of numbers. There would have been, numbers, for but, sure, but yeah, it still kept yeah. going up at enough of a rate that I was happy to keep pumping it. Yeah. But yeah, my stats were literally 90 strength, I think 30 or 40 vitality. 40 was what I did have yeah. before I decided to just pump it. I think I had about 30 endurance. I might have had like, I might even have just had 10 decks, but it was 10 or 20 decks just so I could use weapons I think I had 11 decks. And everything else was 10 because I always start as the level 1 character because you got to. Min-max. Oh, I didn't. I think I started off as the warrior class, I think, for this character. Oh, fair. Yeah, I'm not too bothered about min-maxing and stats and things like that, although it is a little bit displeasing that I have like intelligence and some other things in like arcane at like seven and eight and stuff like that. (laughs) But uh, hey ho. So yeah, no, honestly, Malaketh really wasn't that bad. Uh, Got him maybe after the second or third time. Didn't suffer too much to the debuff and uh, jobs are good on that one. Fair play to you. So you've you've already beaten the two bosses that I thought you'd have the most trouble with. So I'm going to go out on a limb. I think you've done it. (laughs) You've got a good feeling about this, eh? Well, no, (laughs) I I didn't see you having any trouble with any of the other ones. So let's hear about it. No spoilers. (laughs) I'm going to continue to tease this one out slowly. Let's hear about it, man. (laughs) So at that point, after defeating Malik F, it's my understanding that you essentially trigger a point of no return in the game. One thing I do remember from the previous time I played was that we set the Erd Tree on fire, and that seems to have come to full flamey fruition. Basically, it burns away the roots that were blocking the door, yeah. That's right, yes, yeah. yeah. So, at that point, the capital city is then covered in ash, but I wasn't quite ready to go there, and this was perhaps a little bit of showboating. I don't think I needed to kill this boss, but I wanted to anyway. If it's who you're in. Okay, right, okay, cool. That's good, because I wasn't sure whether I needed to do this or not. No, you did. So, And and what you're saying there about the capital city cover being covered in ash is where you might have missed out on some other bosses had you not done them um so if you hadn't done moog the omen for example yeah did i've done moog previously I, yeah, yeah. I, I knew you had right but if you hadn't done that then you would have failed the challenge at this point if you'd done the order oh yeah right because yeah, I mean? yeah. there would have been some that are just locked off then because yeah, i think you yeah. lose access to the capital under sewers or whatever it's called at this point that's right it all gets full yeah. up full of ash and yeah yeah I, I did check out you can start to get into them but then it, it's it's blocked up at yeah. a certain point you can't go through so but i did come back thankfully then uh, according to these rules yeah. i came back for dragon lord placidus axe which was yeah. pretty cool difficult fight. to find i actually ended up uh needing to use a guide just to figure out where this thing was because it's yeah. literally you walk off of a ledge that is not really telegraphed at all. Uh, the only thing guiding you really is uh, is some player symbols, some 
bank, you know, if you play online, some... yeah. Yes, exactly. Imagine yeah. finding this offline, mate. Well, even to be honest with you, that drop as well. Unless you're standing on the very, very precipice, you can only see a drop that will kill you. You have to be looking at a very specific angle for this. So it's not even like necessarily, oh, just make sure you look off every ledge. This is like carefully look off yeah, of yeah, every yeah. ledge as well for any sign of a foothold. Good thing I did. Uh, I found my way down, and then at that point you need to sort of lie down within yeah, one rest. of the tombs, have a little sleepy, and you're teleported to the boss arena for Placidusax. Yeah, I don't even think it's in a tomb, mate. I think it's just on a bit of crumbling, like, freeze from a building. <laughs> I think it is, yeah, it's like a crumbled wall from a building, but they seem to be next to you. There's sort of, like, uh, fossilised beasts that are sort of suspended in it, so oh, it yeah, I just like thought you're that was kind a of lying in one of them. That's just decoration. <laughs> it was decoration before the building was crumbled. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was, they were decorating their walls with fossilized dead monsters. <laughs> yeah, as you do. So, anyway, that seems like a cozy place to lie down. So, you yeah. just have a little have a little nap there. and Maybe go little you... spoon with the zombie guy. <laughs> yeah. And suddenly find yourself staring at a curled up form of the Dragon Lord Placidusax, which is essentially the Dragon Lord of the game. We all know Miyazaki is a big fan of his dragon boss fights in Elden Ring and Soul series. So here we go. This was another fight that I didn't find particularly difficult. Uh, I enjoyed the dragon fights that I'd had previously in the game. The only real move that he had to watch out for, which was quite significantly telegraphed, was when the two heads of the dragon sort of blow flames around him. And if you're caught within that in a bad spot, then you'll be in quite a bit of trouble because essentially he will knock you over once, you'll probably fall over, and then before you've had a chance to roll away, you get still hit by the sort of ongoing hitbox of the flames. So yeah. uh, that's that can be a tough one to go to. That caused me one death. Perhaps my only death of this boss fight. I did it a second time. I didn't die to that one, but there was, there was one where the other one is he disappears and then flies back in. Like goes that's right. And he goes invisible and then fucks off for ages and flies back in. That killed me. Do you know, I didn't actually find that one too bad to avoid. And there's also one where he kind of, he disappears and then he does a swing and then he disappears and does a swing. Again, the disappearing thing isn't too difficult because he doesn't start his wind up until he reappears. So it's a fairly predictable time signature. It's almost kind of like it's a psychological trick that he turns invisible that's meant to put you off. As opposed to it actually introducing any sort of additional difficulty in terms of timing the move. But a cool little boss fight. I definitely liked the effect of him disappearing and then swinging, disappearing and swinging. And, uh, uh, yeah, it was a fun, large boss fight. So at that point, I was well and truly done with Faramazula. I had finished all off all of the available bosses there. Yeah, glad to see the back of the fucking place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, not one of my favourite areas of the game. No. Not to say it's a bad-looking area by any means, it's just the fact that Elden Ring has such a high calibre of level design for the most part that it kind of stands out as uh, one of the areas, perhaps with a little less effort thrown into it, that as well as the... Uh, the underground tunnels and caves that you occasionally find yourself in, which feel a bit copy and pasty as well. So it was time to move on to Langdale, the Ashen Capital, which is the place that we spoke a little bit about previously, now covered in ash, thanks to the burning of the Erd Tree. At that point, you sort of spawn out into the ash fields, and it's time to take on... Sir Gideon Othmir, the all-knowing! See, I thought me and this guy were boys, but apparently... Nah, he's always a dick, man. I mean, he was giving me a lot of information. He is Gideon the All-Knowing, but it turns out that Gideon the All-Knowing, he knew too much. And now that the Erd Tree was burning, he seemed to think that he was going to take his shot. He was going to shoot his shot and become Elden Lord himself, which obviously I was having none of. Yeah. This is a bit of a weird boss fight. 
So I understand part of his gimmick. If you've killed a lot of the bosses prior to him, then he will essentially, he's, he's kind of like mimicking their moves. And NPC has a lot bosses of... specifically, I think you should probably point out. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Like he's not he's not going to be doing like uh, Radan's moves. <laughs> no, unfortunately not. That'd be cool, but no. But this was a very strange boss fight. Uh, I didn't actually use my mimic for this one. I, I no, felt I, bad. I, I just encountered <laughs> him, started spanking him and was like, do you know what? I'm not even bother i think this is a story boss fight rather than a challenge boss fight right yeah this is yeah i agree there it has to be right because it just feels weirdly out of place in terms of if this was actually supposed to be a challenge yeah you get gideon out of the way you know just flick him away like an ant that he is yeah i, I first time this one too yeah yeah, yeah. so you know, like, oh, i didn't first time you, really? it in honestly i didn't first time it i got unlucky he did a one move that very quickly led into another move and i wasn't on it with my healing and yeah, yeah. uh yeah he, he took me by surprise but I was not going to be surprised again, and I absolutely hammered it home on the second attempt. Yeah. Well, no, full disclosure, he nearly got me, but I wasn't having any of it. I was like, no. <laughs> I have 95 strength at this point. No, you're not beating me. So at this point in the game, after beating Gideon, you essentially initiate a boss rush. You basically fight four bosses in a weird way. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like a bit of a drawn-out way of doing it. And also, I mean, I don't know how I feel about uh, calling a what's essentially like it's it's a second stage and they gave him a new name but it's still the same health bar yes they have different moves and yes that they have a different name but the health bar is the same so i feel a little bit about cheap about saying that godfrey who i defeated and got into his second stage horolu on my first attempt so yeah godfrey barely gets a mention the first elden lord first elden lord who the only thing i'll mention is the fact that like if you got to this point i knew that you'd beat that bit first time having been yeah, the yeah. original Godfrey, Godfrey Spirit fight at level 20 or something stupid, was it? Or was it level 40? 40. Yeah, level 40. And like, yeah. Uh, so and given that you like ground through that, I knew that you'd beat the first phase, no problem. <laughs> I do really, and I still do like his move where he jumps up into the air, throws his weapon into the ground and then zips to it. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I, he was a cool boss, it's a good fight. but he was on my screen for like 15 seconds before yeah, it was on to phase two or boss number two of this fight, if you really want to stretch it, yeah. uh, called Horaloo. Uh, and which again, is again very cool because he has such a short health bar though so he essentially turns into a brawler at that point he's wielding a he big heavy weapon as Godfrey but when he becomes Horaloo he's like he turns into a grappler fist puncher type guy he becomes an MMA fighter yeah basically there was a few dicey moments but I think I managed to do that first time at that point his health bar was down you know he had like maybe I think I perhaps got a little bit lucky with the lateness of going into phase two I don't know whether it's like a straight cut or whether he needs to do something before he initiates it, but he seemed to have like just over a third of his health remaining. Definitely wasn't a 50 split into phase two. Um, but he didn't give me any trouble and I would have liked to have seen more of him, but yeah. And I, James, I think you can probably tell where this is going at this point, given the fact that, I, you know, my experience so far with it. This really was just a, a bit of a crushing session for the rest of it. So spoilers for the outcome of this challenge. But uh, did I called it as soon as you had no problem <laughs> yeah. with Malekith. I mean, it's just like, yeah. yeah, okay, you've won. Nice. Yeah, and the moment you heard my level, no doubt. <laughs> my, no, my... no, that really had nothing to do with it. Like, right, that was just right. me being curious. But like hearing that you had no problem with Malekith, I was like, okay, Will's going to complete the game. There's yeah. <laughs> no problem. I, or again... did you? How did you? <laughs> 
there's one slash two bosses left. So, uh, speaking of the one or two slash bosses left, uh, yeah. which again is unfortunately a bit of a stretch in my eyes. This is the same health bar shared between phase one and two of this boss fight. The amount of time that Radagon spent on my screen was again very short. Just spanked him super quickly. I, I never lost to Radagon. Yeah, no, yeah, he was just out of the way sort of thing. Yeah. Very quickly, first time to Radagon. But then I did lose to the Elden Beast, which is the sort of the second follow-up straight away, which is essentially the absolute finale boss of the game. Uh, as if you weren't done with giant boss fights after fighting Placidasax, time for one last final big old dragon boss fight. <laughs> And it was a good one. He has lots of... Dragon. It's kind of a dragon. Yeah, kind of. It's a blob, man. Let's be real. It's, it's, a, a, it's a big black and golden blob. Yeah. So the Olden Beast is essentially just a very large creature. It's kind of weirdly... It's like a black but slightly see-through texture to it. And then you can see sort of like vein or like it looks like veins and arteries of yeah. gold lace sort of suspended in between it. So it's quite a cool looking boss. Yeah, it's really cool. And looking. I'm not certain, but it seemed like his weak spot was his stomach, just because that seemed to be the highest concentration of these arteries. And I was noticing when I was slashing it, it was glowing. I was just hitting it wherever, man. Right. Wherever. Yeah. Yeah. He has a lot of spells that you need to avoid. One particularly bad one where he'll call out a load of spirits. And they start just nailing you. And the only way, to my knowledge, to avoid that is just to start sprinting. Yeah. And if you sprint, which seems to be the only way to do it, the needles that hit the ground happen like inches behind your heels sort of yeah. thing. But rolling will not get you out of this because of the recovery on the roll will slow you down too much. You'll be taking needles every time you recover out of your roll sort of thing, yeah. which I, I learned very quickly. Yeah, if you sprint round in a circle and almost back towards him, you can get away from it and then give him some hits. That was Yeah, the cover the ground that he's created by doing the spell. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It came close on my second attempt. My first attempt he surprised me with, you know, fully willing to admit. It was another one. It was just a complacency issue. I got too complacent and uh, got taken on. It's quite. But, it's a relatively tough fight, man. Yeah, yeah, I would say it so. It does a lot yeah, of damage. Decently tough. It does a lot of damage. And he's bullshit because he is there one minute. You're running towards him and then he'll jump all the way does to the other side hop. of the fucking arena, which has got invisible Whilst walls, by the way. Whilst also peppering Boom. you with spells while yeah, he does that. Exactly. And boo for invisible walls. Just make it an edge, man. Don't, like, invisible walls, no. Yeah. Yeah. Make it an arena edge if you're going to do that, or walls. Don't give. Do you know what? I didn't encounter the invisible wall, but I can appreciate that. Yeah. You know that that would be an issue, sort of thing. They they probably just made it very big. It never killed me, but it was annoying because yeah, it, it was a huge arena. I was just using it to the full. <laughs> <laughs> but no. So after my first defeat, I was able to get the win. Uh, I did have to deal with like the last quarter of his health bar without my mimic because. Yeah. Contrary to the advice that I'd received, I wasn't saving my Mimic until you get to Elden Beast. I called him in straight on Radagon and then used it through the Elden Beast fight. And he had about half of his health left by the point we got to the Elden Beast both times. I know people that had serious issue with Radagon and I really, I, like I said, I never lost to him. Moves were no, super high, yeah. highly telegraphed. The odd AoE might get you, but they're easy to back away from. Never Radagon, out of all the bosses, is definitely the one I found the least memorable, and I think that's probably more due to the fact that I was just so powerful we didn't spend very long on my screen at all. Yeah, know? exactly. Shout out to a lot of these bosses, though. They do have some great lines of dialogue, both during their initiation into the second phase and introduction cutscenes as well, though. Yeah, and story-wise, like it's a great final boss being Radagon. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a lovely, lovely kind of you really do feel like you're coming into the throne of the elden lords and defeating these true badasses but that was it james as i've kind of been mentioning all along i ended up beating the elden beast on my second playthrough 
absolutely smashed it. Nice. And which ending did you go for? I went for the runny ending because ah. I had actually progressed all of her quest line sort of organically as I played. Yeah. And it was really like a case of I was on the phone to uh, to my mate Jem and uh, we were just sort of waiting to to actually play a little bit of late night Call of Duty. And I ended up doing it while I was on the Skype call to him actually beating the game. And I was just like, runny, runny ending, right? People say that's the good one. Clicked on it. Saw a bunch more cutscenes, and you're essentially the assistant to Rani, who is now welcoming in an age of ice and winter or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it means nothing to me. Game complete. The credits rolled. I completed the challenge this week, James. Now, uh, as you've said, kind of all along, you weren't surprised that I did this. I am really pleased to finally top this game off. I did have a blast playing through it. What did you end the game on? If you're one three, I finished the, the start, game on level one fifty, a nice clean one fifty. Very nice. And now I will probably retire that character for a significant amount of time, and potentially at some point pick it up again, so I can maybe engage with some of the arena stuff with a new character. I'll probably focus more on a mixture of dexterity and use of magic spells this time round. Go with the complete opposite of my my bonk master nine thousand. <laughs> Just run around with a uh, a ship anchor and uh, and a giant cannon. We have now drawn level once again, which I'm very pleased about. Uh, and I'm very much looking forward to giving you your challenge this week, James. No need to sweat. I haven't gone for a uh, anything too dodgy here. We're going to have to get an invigilator into this at some Whenever point. Whenever you so. say that, I always feel like it becomes... <laughs> like, it's just a preamble yeah. for me saying... Don't worry, man. I haven't need done to anything dodgy. Dark Souls blindfolded. <laughs> yeah, do Dark Souls, but on, on a, a dance mat, bitch. Dance mat, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, James, without further ado, my challenge for you this week is... Lost Planet. Ah, okay. So, the Lost Planet game is part one in a series of three games. I'll just give you a little bit of a preamble on the game here that I've plucked from howlongtobeat.com. <laughs> in Lost Planet, human snow pirates navigate vital suits through hostile ice-covered environments, fighting against the indigenous acrid creatures for the precious thermal energy they need to survive. For one such pilot named Wayne, death seemed almost imminent until he was fortunately rescued. However, he can only remember a few fragments of his past, including the slaying of his father by the monstrous beings. Yet, under the veil of the ice, a devious plan has been set in motion for the termination of all Acrid and Snow Pirates alike. What really happened to Dwayne? Who is plotting the destructive <laughs> scheme? Encounter valuable allies and dangerous enemies on Wayne's search for the truth. So, there you go. Very classic, lots of uh, video game cliches going on here. A dude with amnesia, slowly uncovering his past. Discovery of an ultimate enemy other than the indigenous population of the planet that is ultimately trying to eliminate both of you. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's there's a lot of kind of corny stuff in here, but the gameplay for this game is really cool. As they mentioned there, you are navigating these things called VS suits, vital suits. These are essentially kind of like mini mechas in the game that you can climb into. You can equip with weapons. You can also find additional weapons along the way and detach and reattach different things. You've got Gatling guns, rocket launchers, and things like that. Uh, the game involves a lot of navigating through the snow, and i got to say, this one was kind of inspired by the current weather we've been having. <laughs> Yesterday was the first frost I'd seen on the grounds, and today we had frost again, and it's actually managed to stay all the way through the day, so yeah. to fit in with the cold theme, and as we work our way towards winter, I wanted to choose a game that had a little bit of a snowy vibe to it. And I think that you're going to have a blast with this game, man. I remember it you know, being quite a fun little, uh, fun little shooter. 
Dota there. And I also think that um, some of the later titles were particularly memorable because of the co-op elements as well. So maybe we'll get into those as time goes down. Yeah, man, no, I agree. I've played Lost Planet 3, but I, I never complete. I think it was a games with gold or, uh, or it was like £2 on sale. And I was like, yeah, I'll give that a go. Um, and I, I thought it was very fun. I didn't finish it. I can't remember why I put it down. A good challenge. Looking forward to playing the first instalment. And uh, I'll see how we get on, man. Yeah, man, I think you're going to have fun with this one. So, enjoy. Okay, James, with your challenge set for this week, it's time to bring the podcast to a close. Once again, a very special thank you to our listeners. We really appreciate the support and absolutely love bringing you new episodes of Total Pop Mode every week. It's amazing to see the numbers grow, and we hope to get even bigger and better in the upcoming new year. If you haven't already, make sure to follow the podcast and rate it five stars in Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It makes a huge difference to our visibility on those platforms. We want to take over the pod space, baby. (laughs) With all that said, you can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And you can find me on Twitter at MrBames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash MrBames underscore TPM. Okay, everyone, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Until next time, goodbye.